You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, this is Radio A Scully, uh, ascully.com, broadcasting you from the waters of uh, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> That's some limited waters right there. <laughs> That's not. We're not talking in the wide open sea. No. Um, so you're like sitting in a puddle or something outside since it's been raining. Yeah. <laughs> broadcasting as, much as, <laughs> as there is here. And I know you. You oh. wouldn't broadcast from a puddle because you'd be afraid of getting electrocuted. So I don't. I would. I, I was a, afraid for some of the people know, in this movie. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Um, so yeah, this is. Um, that was my uh, best radio voice. This is Sunday, April the 25th, 2010, and this is after the show number 119. This week we're going to be looking at the movie Pirate Radio, which in Europe, if you're from Europe, uh, is also called, it could be called, The Boat That Rocked. And what was it called in Japan? Ro- Pirate Rock. Pirate Rock. Was it? Yeah. But anyway, Pirate Radio. We're looking at the North American release the Blu-ray disc release, it was released on Tuesday the 13th of April, so a couple of weeks ago, you can get it now, it's from Universal, and you're going to tell us what this movie is all about. All about? Well, I'm sure there's lots of complex things in there that I, I can't go into here, but it's about in the 60s, we're talking mid-60s, because by 67 it was over, there was um, limited exposure on British radio, I'm told by the movie because I wasn't there. <laughs> of rock and pop music, while at the same time, as we all know now, and people who lived through it, was a massive explosion of pop and rock culture around the world, in America, England, and Europe. But in um, England, <clears throat> being the way they are over there, a bit stuffy or whatnot, they weren't letting the public or letting any radio stations play this kind of music, so radio stations then <clears throat> took to the open seas, passed the legal lines, set their stations right there in boats and broadcast in there, thus pirating the radio airwaves. I mean... And it just so happens pirates are on boats too. Oh, you think that's a coincidence, do you? Yes. <clears throat> oh, you're funny. And this is a fictional tale of a group of DJs, a guy who, uh, to me, uh, looks like he owns a boat runs the station, is the money behind the project or whatever. Mastermind, you could say. So it's a mishmash of characters. There's a couple of sub-stories. A young man being sent to this boat to, I don't know, get himself straight or whatever the reason. But the overall idea is that this boat is a den of inequity. Inequities? What's that word? A den Den of of ill repute. Because there's lots of... Well, there's some. Free it's a little and... bit. It's a little bit whitewashed, I think, for the general viewing public. It's of not course. as gruff and gritty as it probably really was on those boats. It's, but there's it's some, the hippy dippy version of uh... yeah, kind of peace and love, and yeah. then there's this dope, and then there's some sex, and there's you know, just sort of a rollicking good time. Um, it's a little bit softened up, I think, for our viewing, for just for sort of a pleasurable, fun little jaunt, and converse to this story is, of course, the British government and individuals in the government trying to squash this pirate radio thing and finding any reason to. And they make it out as if the British government, represented by this one dude who's a super conservative, even one dude's hair with a little curl down the forehead makes him, just makes him, you know, he finds that person worthless. And so they sort of 
go to the extreme of making the British government seem like a bunch of twats, which is a funny thing because one guy's name is actually Twat with two T's. Twat. And so it's just basically a little glimpse into this sort of the heyday of the pirate radio and, of course, of the potential demise of it. Which now, this many years later, we know it isn't dead because it just still happens. Correct. So this movie, um, I was looking forward to it, directed by uh, the director of Love Actually, which is one of my favourite romantic comedies, if not my favourite of all time. Very possible. Um, and I thought Pulp Fiction was your favourite romantic comedy. <laughs> not much romance in it. Well, a little bit. Not much. Um, anyway, so uh, looking forward to it. But a lot of comedy. I would say for the first... 10 to 15 minutes I wasn't with it right I wasn't digging this movie hardly at all because I was thinking oh this is just going to be kind of silly like which you could say it is but after about 10 to 15 minutes I think I think he did a really good job of establishing all these characters quickly whereas I cared about them almost immediately like most of them I mean there's some assholes there's some but the I um, actually thoroughly enjoyed the movie because I think Richard Curtis, who directed this, has got a very um, romantic look at everything. Um, and it makes you feel good to watch his things. I mean, I actually literally feel good watching his movies. Yeah. Because at the end of this movie, just the combination of things that was... I'm not going to spoil the end. No, but no. The combination of events occurring, the music, the everything... You want to go rock and roll! A good feeling. (laughs) And that's what this movie's about, I think. Don't go into it thinking this is a serious historical look at this event. Because it's not. Because it's all. This is all fabricated apart from he used some of the. Radio Caroline was the actual radio station in real life that this movie borrows some elements from. Um, not all, not everything, and these people don't didn't exist, but it, they're caricatures of DJs who did exist. So you could say there's a like mm. a little smidgen of truth in there, but not much. But anyway, forget the truth. It's an interesting um, time. I think that was an interesting time. Um, yeah, you know the birth of it changed things, didn't it? No oh, matter, of course. You know this kind of music changed things. Um, Britain were at the cutting edge of. Music, you could say, from the Stones and the Beatles. And, uh, and nobody else. Just England. Well, I just, just think... Clarifying. I think just we, clarifying. I think Britain were at the cutting edge of it. And the government... That was not untrue, that the government were trying to quash this. Because they thought it would lead to, like, people um, thinking... Well, they, they thought it would lead to the public being like like all of a sudden like weird yeah, kind of yeah. hippies who were all doing drugs and screwing each other like I don't even think that I think it's like people think the it would change it, the there's conservative there's a line look. yeah there's a line between people I think and this is what the movie made me think but yeah I agree I had a good time it was fun um I think that I felt at times it was a little bit pushing the caricature aspect of different people, but because the quality of the people playing these parts, yeah, like Hoffman and both of the Reeses, forget their last names, Reese, Fine, or Ifans, and, and uh, this New Zealand Darby. guy, yeah, the New Zealander. <laughs> There's quality. I think it was a good cast. Actually. Yeah, the quality of how they did their parts made me kind of back off a little bit on the, oh yeah, here's the guy, the brash American, who's Hoffman, 
being like kind of the dickhead and sort of the rock and roll, you know, fuck the establishment kind of guy. Well, they do exist. I know that. But this guy was sort of like, you know, like, okay, pushing it a little further, like this disgruntled. And the idea of all of them really is they can't belong anywhere else except no. with this group of people. And that's the argument that these conservative asshole people make because this lifestyle is wrong. <laughs> you have to get on a suit and go to work and have a mortgage and get a car and get your shit together. That's why you feel out of sorts because this life is wrong. And my life with the suit and the hair and the bills and the stress and then someday I'll be dead and have money in the bank and CD, you know, whatever. That's the right way to live. You guys are wrong. And that's the feeling I get too. It's like the overwhelming sense of, my God, we try to... Put down this creative, artistic, the music, people living sort of like a little, a lot more relaxed about sex and and relationships and doing your own thing. Because they think that, that there's, the extreme of that, the extreme of me having my shit together is that. And that the world's going to fall apart. There's only two ways. Yeah. The world's going to fall apart. No one's ever going to get anything done. We're going to stop being productive. And the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket, as they say. While all the time, if you think back through all of our history, people like Mozart and Beethoven, their music sometimes was like considered, I guess, controversial and too titillating. And because art in any form, writing, poetry, music, visual arts, music, video games... Contrary to what Mr. Ebert says, the reason we can get through our lives from day to day until we die is because of these things. Exactly, and this movie is part of that. People who try to fight that are the ones who don't get it, or they don't understand that maybe in their life they sit back and, and drink a good you know, whatever. He made a joke about it. You're, they're sipping their brandy and listening yeah. to what, whatever. Well, your, their life wouldn't be good without that. But they don't see that. There's like a blinder. That if I've let my hair down and I'm wearing a flowy skirt and I'm dancing around like what they would say, like a hippie dancing to, you know, Jefferson Starship or whatever. Whatever. I <laughs> just put that out of the air. That there's something wrong with me because I don't reflect this sort of pulled together. That's what I get from it. Like you just want to say, you know... Ugh, like, <laughs> and that's what rock and roll Stop is. Stop trying to push us down. That's what rock and roll is. We can is. do both. That's why the Sex Pistols. Um, I live a life that's very, about. that's fairly not productive. I don't do anything great in life or anything. But I mean, I have that job where I follow mostly the rules. But I am also the rebel. I you know fight against their establishment as much as I can and still do the job that needs to be done because it's very important what I do. Most of the time, it's and these not, DJs then, were doing the. But job on the too, other side, right? I'm myself. I'm. You can see how I'm dressed right now. You know that I art do the art thing, and you know we try to. It's a balance. It's definitely a balance. But the idea, and I've known people who think, if a dude grows his hair long, like you, there's something wrong with you. You are not part of the established way of things. Well, I was told. I was told once um, by a. I worked at a place. And a guy who was, like, higher up than me took me to one side and told me... He actually said these words. I don't like you very much because you're non-conformist. Oh, my God! And I basically... I didn't even know the guy. Like, he was a area manager. 
of a retailer. St- I, I was a manager in retail, and he was an area manager, which is obviously one step above me because he's in charge of a lot of shops, whereas I'm in charge of one. Right? right. So he came in, took me to one side, said, I don't like you because you are non-establishment. No, what is it? Non-conformist. That was his words. And, and, and then, and then left. <laughs> Little does he know. Yeah. You're relatively conformist. This was because I had a ponytail. Oh, I get That was the whole... It was basing the whole thing on that. Yeah, because you're the most... About me. You're the most, like... I mean, in I'm, fact, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't want you to be my manager because I think you would be do this right and do it this way or you're getting fired. I mean, the deal is... I mean, I think you'd be very severe and very organized and very demanding. I kind of see this guy as tell. those government guys because the guy literally has never met me before. This was the first time, his first visit. He told, The first thing he did was take me to one side and tell me that. Wow. I don't like you. <laughs> and I was, I was is like, is it a true story? Are you examining? No, it's an absolute, absolute true story because it almost got into fisticuffs in another incident. Oh, um, tell us that one. Tell us that one. No, I'll tell you that some other time. Oh but, no, no, you can't say fisticuff without putting the. No. the oh come on, it's too long a story. But I would tell that. Some, some what are there fisticuffs? No, I don't know what that means. But no. I'm assuming, I'm assuming fighting. No, but there, I guess there would have been. If, did it have um, to do with your ponytail? Well, that was what he objected to because he did. He never spoke to me before. Little did he know that I'd run this store for two years. Um, I can't have been that anti-conformist because yeah, yeah. I mean the store's fine, right? You know what I'm saying. So I don't know. I don't know the deal. But yeah, there are people who, on first, yeah, our yeah our new guy who runs our entire department work for government and thing, and um, he's like that. There is a way to be. Everything else is wrong. It's lazy. It's lackadaisical. You are wasting my time. You are wasting our money. You don't look the part. You don't act the part. You don't do this right. You don't act right. You don't, you know, all the way down to the pens and papers people use at meetings and stuff. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, I guess that's rock rock and roll what it thought. Like, well, what it still fights to this day, isn't it? It's always, if you look at anybody in rock and roll. You think, oh, that's slightly not, different yeah. to the average person. The funny thing is, looking. though, within rock and roll... There's a conformity you have, also. You have to conform to a certain thing, or you're not rock and roll, which is sort of the antithesis of what it's supposed so, to be. Yeah, but that's yeah. how every group is. But yeah. that's what this movie brings up in you. you. You realize, if you're the type of person like me, I absolutely despise authority. I don't like rules. I, I like laws and rules that keep danger <laughs> away from us. That keep horrible people from doing horrible things if, if we can. You know, I understand that kind of system and you have to be laws of the road and all that kind of stuff. However, dress codes and I like to uh, unnest- unre- unreasonable rules and unspoken, unwritten rules about society and behavior are the things I just want to say. What are you talking about? Well, why I like Kenneth Branagh. Why do I have to have children in my life as a woman? To be valuable in society. Why do I have to be skinny? To be... You know, those are the rules I think. And that all feel makes me feel all pressured under. And this movie brings that out. Well, I like... As I was saying that. I liked Kenneth Branagh's thing where he was t- telling the people what he wants to do. And then he said, that's the point in having a government. If something's... <laughs> if we don't like something, we can make a law against it. We make a law, make a law to get rid of it. Yeah? Which is really... And yeah, it's super exaggerated. Because they... All the government scenes are filmed in this particular way. Yeah, it's very, very, very cold. grey and like co- color desaturated. Whereas all the boat scenes with the 
colourful people, it's very colourful. Yeah, and it's rocking and moving and shaking and yeah. oftentimes. I actually think this is a really well put together movie too. I liked the um, how it looked. That set was pretty amazing. Um, I could have swore that every minute they were on a boat, but they yeah, were not. No, and we saw some in the extras. It's, uh, you know, Hollywood trickery. But um, what I'm getting at here is, like, I, felt, I don't know why I didn't like it for the first ten minutes. But I, I kept thinking to myself, this is going to be, like, overindulgent, like, mm. crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I kept thinking. And that, you know, pretty much up to, like, when they all are, when the guy's entering the ship at the beginning is going, I'm such and such, I'm such and such, when they're all introducing themselves, she's a lesbian, I'm a... Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is just gonna, it's gonna, it feels to me like a sitcom. It's gonna be like Cheers or something in this. Yeah. And then it took off in lots it of mel- directions. It melted a little bit. It did, yeah. yeah. I think it was a bit... They tried hard to get you to know everybody quickly at the beginning. And if you think about Love Actually, for example, he had to do that because he had so many stories it, running that you you had to learn very quickly. I like how that was. is paced at the beginning, though, Love Actually. I thought it worked really well. And yeah, you do get a lot of information mm-hmm. quickly. Um, and this is, you know, he has a certain style about his films. I mean, he's only done Love Actually in this one, to be honest. He wrote a lot of other movies. Notting Hill. But I've never seen that. That's with Reese Evans, yeah. So, but I like the romanticized because we don't always need a serious, hmm. um, realistic movie, do we? You know, sometimes we need to have like, for me, it's just completely fun. Where, whereas it also sheds light on a real thing, yeah. Which I got a lot. I went to Wikipedia and I looked up. I knew about Radio Caroline. I didn't know the details. I went to Wikipedia, I spent half an hour reading about Radio Caroline, learned that it still exists to this day. They bro- they're actually broadcasting May Day weekend from the ship. You can go on the web, radiocaroline.co.uk, and listen to it. Um, I didn't know they still existed. Yeah. And they've still got the same spirit of... Real people, real music, that's yeah, what they're... Yeah, we're going to broadcast... We play the-, the original vinyl songs, we don't play the radio cuts, we don't... They have to have some advertising. I think that's just how the world works, sadly. Yeah. They have to, otherwise, would you have some, like... But so did the original... Unbelievably show. wealthy person just throwing money at you all the time so you can survive, but... Um, but, yeah... The they, idea is, and still is... It's what everything, the people want. Yeah, everything doesn't have to be a fucking formula. I start a radio station, here's your kit. Here's what you do. Here's how you get your advertisers. This is how many minutes you can play your music. These are the companies you can play the music from. Not the artists. These are the companies that we will allow you to use their music. Here are the companies we'll allow you to sell advertising to. Here are the commercials you're allowed to allowed to think. Here are the way the DJs are allowed to talk. Here's the way that you're allowed to do this and that. Here's and the radio edits of all the yeah, rap exactly. Songs. <laughs> and here's your radio kit. Here's your television kit. Here's your television show kit. I mean, it's why I admire. It's why I admire Howard Stern. I listen to Howard Stern every day. You could say he he's also been through all this. You know, the FCC mm-hmm. trying to stop him doing what he does. He went through what he calls the radio revolution, where he. You know, move to satellite radio. You could say satellite radio is like a pirate broadcaster, even though it's a multi-million dollar business. Yeah. He can literally say what he wants to say, do what he wants to do now. He feels freer. It's just another form of breaking the... Yeah, but the thing is, that's turned into just a commodity. Because why doesn't he just quit? Because he loves being on the radio. That's why he says... He says that. Yeah. He loves And money has nothing to do with it. Um... 
I think he's got enough money now that money hasn't got anything to do with it because from what I've you know I know a lot about Howard Stern he was his father was in broadcasting in radio and since being a little child he said he used to go in and watch his father on the microphone and it's always enchanted him in some way he got into it he's been through the whole thing now he's got enough money to live like for the yeah, five yeah. lifetimes but he's got a love for sitting in front of the microphone and doing it so you know people these people such as these people in pirate radio but he like i said he started maybe as the rebel but he's turned it into his own uh industry really he has he is an industry but so he's, he's no still longer a rebel, rebel. i don't think so well some of the stuff he does is very it's funny like only he does it <laughs> you know it's, it doesn't spawn a billion copycats it's He's in a unique position, like, I think. Because on clear radio, as they call it, you can't do that stuff. You can't even really play a rap song on clear radio that's got, no. like, vulgarity in it. I mean, you bleeped out. They're all bleeped, right? Yeah. Or changed. They changed the lyrics completely to something yeah. else. Like, So, you know, this expression is, even now, in 2010... It's like choked. It's choked on normal radio. The radio you listen to in the car, for instance, the free radio with the commercials... Creativity is choked out of those stations because Eminem can't say what he wants to say on his record and on the radio, can he? He can say it on the record. I mean, he can say it on the record, but the radio can't let you hear that. Yeah. So creativity is stifled from those still to this day. I think that's why Howard Stern said he got out of normal radio because it's not that he wanted to say the F word every two minutes. It's that he couldn't say it at all. Right. Because I remember when... And Hoffman in the movie says it's just a word. Oh, yeah, there's actual... It's a little word. Yeah, there's an actual thing where Hoffman comes on and says, as the DJ, the American kind of DJ, who says, I'm just going to come out today and say the F word. For the first time on the airwaves ever. And everybody's on the edge of the seats. Well, they're on the edge of the seats waiting for it. It shows you all the listening audience. And And uh, he's like, because it's just a word. Yeah, like... And it is, really. Yeah. And that's Howard Sterner said the same thing. When he moved to Satellite Radio, I listened to the warm-up shows before he went on the air. And... They weren't swearing at all, like, because they got so used to not. Like, yeah. you just don't swear on the radio. So nobody was swearing. And Artie said the F word a couple of times. And Howard was kind of saying, I don't even know how we should do this. That doesn't feel right. It feels like we're just talking together. And I don't feel like I should be saying it. You know, right. he, 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 he sent it himself. To, like. Yeah. And they don't. I mean, now I hear it when you're playing it. No, sometimes. not all the time. No. Sometimes they may. We're getting be. off topic here, but yeah, but it's I'm, all the, no, the it's same not. idea. It's it's about stifling creativity, uh, either it be the government. Well, even in this case, the FCC. It's a government yep. um, organization that's what they would say is regulated because of what the people do and don't want. Because the truth is, when the first guy on British television said the F word. It wasn't the government had clamped down on them all of a sudden. It was all the little old ladies and the stuffy people who started calling BBC or whoever it was, or radio, well, television, or whatever network it was at the time, and bitching and moaning about it that makes the government then react. Mm-hmm. You know, And it depends on the people in the government. If you've got the people who agree with that, they've got the power. If you've got people who don't necessarily agree, they're going to try to find a way to find a middle ground. But still, it's all about expressing things that... We're talking about this at work too the other day. One guy's cubicle, I swear to his God. <laughs> you could say I'm godless, and this guy, his whole cubicle, is the only one in this new little group of cubicles. 
I walk back there the night. I'm curious. It's nighttime. Nobody's there. So I like to walk around and look at people's cubicles. I don't touch anything or do anything. I just look because I think, wow, this is where someone sits in this five by six cardboard box, basically, covered with felt or whatever you want to call it. But it basically is this little short room for eight hours of their day. They're adults and they sit in that room with a computer and a phone all day, every day. And I look and I just think, wow, that person... It's really telling. Some people have nothing. There's their computer, their calendar, and a chair. It's like they come to work and they don't, they want nothing pleasurable around them. They want to get the thing done and they don't want to be reminded of family. Other people, their cubicle's covered with pictures and whatnot. This guy's cubicle, all God. Everything, every (laughs) item. There's one whole side is covered with calendars and pictures and prayers. And then every shelf, he has a bookshelf covered with all these knickknacks. His desk has it all over it. He has post-it notes on the side of his monitor reminding him of, like, like John 7-something or whatever. You know, stuff like that. And we were talking about, I was talking about with some other people on our shift. And we're like, that's a bit obnoxious to me. I wouldn't want to look at that all day. And I'm like, yeah, but that's his cubicle. And while I find that obnoxious, and the other guy said, yeah, but what if I put naked ladies' pictures up? Or I'm listening to rap music in the next cubicle, he, they would make me turn it off. Of course, yeah. But if I'm equally offended by the God thing, then then where do you go? You can't take everything away from everybody. But it's a real... That's what the, the, the idea of this movie and of the pirate radio and of sort of art that pushes that, that button on everybody to say, is this art or is it just uh, to rile everybody up? Is pirate radio about them having such big egos that they want to just have a negative influence on the youth or is it really truly as a human you have a right to just not be in a box yeah like you know all your life i like that this young man had come to the ship to um, straighten himself out yeah like he'd been you know but then you meet his mother and she's not exactly no (laughs) but still you know it's like it even says in the movie it's literally the worst place yeah yeah in the universe to be <laughs> if you want to be straightened out because it's and this movie is there's a lot of uh like comedic mo um i'm like light-hearted it's a it's i'd say it's light-hearted like 90 percent of the time like yeah. silly pranks um how they live together women come on board they have parties they wedding you know it kind of reminds you of the time in your life when you're youth young and you actually don't have... You think you have the weight of the world on your shoulders because whatever traumatizing things have happened to you up to age 16 or 17, you wear it like a like a, the world on your shoulders, right? You, we all have our self-pity time and our dark, brooding times. and But in there, you've worked, you said, in the Lake District where you lived in a place, you cooked in the restaurant, but it was probably lots of, like... You know, shenanigans and lots of, yeah, like, everything kicking around. Really- and Yeah, like, your mind, you're like, this is the best time of my life. And Somebody says that Somebody says it. And that that's another thing this symbolizes, that some things happen. It's like a moment in time you can't get back in your own life. You can't go back to those completely carefree moments, no matter how many vacations you take or movies you watch. There was a time in your life that was, like, the peak of it all. And it's kind of sad, but then again... And move on try to do it again, you know? What I also like about the characters in this is how they all have a passion for the music. It's not like they're just screwing around. It's like, when it comes down to it, mm. broadcasting, like Howard Stern said, is what they they have to be doing. Like, in fact, when the Reese um, 
Ifans, I- Ifans, yeah. I always call him, uh, appears. He's there for about 10 seconds and then he says, let me broadcast. Yeah, it's like in them, built into them. But, but, is yeah. that, but the thing is, the question there is, is it broadcasting or is it ego? And that's not about the music. That's about him being the guy on the radio who he knows all those young people are listening. So that's a different thing than the people you said, real life people who were there and listened to the pirate radio complain about the movie because mm-hmm. they say it didn't represent it at all. And I would imagine that's because those people were truly, like the Bob character, he's all about the music. Yeah, he yeah. truly is. He, want, he didn't there's want no to image. even mix with people just yeah. to listen to the there's music. There's no image. There's no personality. There's no bigger than anything. He sits in his... Every waking moment, to listening to them. them. Yeah, he wants to dig it, man. He wants to, like, <laughs> feel it in his heart and his soul. He's the guy who represents probably the bigger picture of what real pirate radio was about. But there's got to be ego and irreverence involved. It can't those, just be about Those music. DJs were treated like rock stars. I mean, um, DJs are today. I mean, yeah, well, you know. Well, I, I don't mean all of them. I mean... Are you talking about DJs, like, at a club with the mixing, or are you talking about DJs on the radio? They are. DJs at a club that's mixing. that's not a radio DJ. Radio DJs about. also. Howard Stern. Um, I'm Not a lot, but... Maybe he's kind of the exception. No, well, I'm saying not everybody, but, like, there there are... Not every single radio DJ you hear is treated like a rock star. But no. There are a lot who are. They're, in England, But that's because of their personality. It's not because they're all about the music, man. They're about being famous, and they've found a way through radio, whereas the complaints about this movie might be that pirate radio, the real deal, wasn't about the personality so much as about the music. It was just- about getting the music to the people who yeah. couldn't get it any other way, wasn't it? That was the deal. Right. Um, it wasn't, wasn't like records were banned in England. You couldn't not go to the record shop to get the music and listen to it yourself. But people liked... The combination of, like, somebody talking to you. Oh, yeah, you know, it's very, uh... You know? It's very... They're still now... Today, I listen to the same radio station every day. When I drive in the car, when I'm in the bathroom, I have a radio, you know, and I actually still enjoy the familiarity. You know, if I'm listening at four in the afternoon, I know who it's going to be. On Friday, it's somebody different because so-and-so goes and does a radio show. On Saturday morning, it's a different guy. At three in the morning, it's somebody else. You know, they have, like, package deals where in the morning they have, like, a national syndicated show. And at night they have Alice Cooper, which I actually enjoy listening to him as well. Because he does the talking and the, you know, I mean, it's a package thing, obviously. But you get, you feel like, it's just like you turning on Howard Stern with Baba Booey and feel Robin. Like you know everybody. Yeah, you're it's like, it's like, okay, here's of... my, I'm part of this round table here. Yeah. You know, I'm part of this scene and I get it and I know their jokes and I know how they talk. Same and... as if you listen to this show every week, you <laughs> yeah, probably <true>. feel more <laughs> like, to, to somebody who just tuned into this today and may be just experiencing this for the first time, if you've listened to 119 shows, <laughs> you can get you our jokes us. without even. You love us, but you know what? I find, even with the radio and this still ties into the movie idea because in the movie it kind of highlights that these different DJs have like huge fan followings like girls are in love with one guy and different girls are in love with a different guy and you know one guy's really hot and sexy to the women and one guy's real sexy up on the microphone all the time you know like that and um you you don't just you don't just listen because of the people you like right or movies even I watch movies sometimes knowing I don't like somebody or an idea, because I'm just, I want to give it, like, one more chance, or I like the feeling of not liking that person enough to have a feeling about it, because I listen to Cheap Ass Gamer, CADcast every week, 
And I really hate listening to Wombat talk. He drives me crazy. But every time it starts, every week I get it, listen to it. It's like I'm I'm in familiar territory. There's going to be, you know, I'm going to get all riled up and I'm going to think he's a dickhead. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what I mean? Even though it's about video, I don't know what it is, but there's something, the reason pirate radio. That's why radio is popular. It just gets you. Like if you listen enough, you feel like you're connected to something bigger, maybe. I don't know what it is. So uh, let's move on to the cast of this fine movie. Uh, we're starting with Philip Seymour Hoffman as the Count. Um, You're in yeah. love with Seymour Hoffman. I, he's one of my favourite actors <laughs> of all time. I I adore the ground he walks on. I just think he's amazing. Um, <laughs> even in this movie, which is not his usual type of role, I think he's awesome in it. I think he's got a presence on screen. I think. I just I just I just he's think the raucous he, American. Yeah, and he, he worked perfectly for that. You know, at first, when they were introducing everybody, I was like, I don't, you know, I'm very familiar with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't know if I can buy him. But five minutes in, I was, yeah, yeah, he's the raucous. He had his own. Everybody, that's the thing in this film. Every DJ is different. They're like um, big fish in a little pond, and he's definitely that. Like, you would imagine in in America, in the radio scene, maybe he's nothing, but he comes here and he's the token American. He's brash. He's loud. You know what I mean? So yeah. he fits. Maybe he doesn't fit anywhere else. You know? Yeah. But he does, he pulls that off really well, I think. Yeah, and he's very hairy. He's getting, he's getting hairy. He's got a nice belly. So uh, Bill Nighy is Quentin. Um, I think he's got something wrong with these two fingers on each hand. He does this all the time. His pinky and his whatever that finger is are curled under all the time. You would have to ask his doctor about that. I'm serious. He, if you watch him, he just does that all the time. I don't know if he's got arthritis or what, but I mean, it's... It's possible. <laughs> but aside from that, he's awesome. I love Bill Nye. I, I really like him, too. I mean... He does you, this You all could the time. say that he plays the same character all mm, the time. Yes. Yeah, that character. Mm, mm. But I don't think he's playing anything. I think that's how he is. <laughs> I do, Yeah, do you know what I mean? I but think... then, like, Girl in the Cafe... It's totally still a bit stiff uh, and stiff, but odd sounding. But in know? a different way. Yeah, Girl, are... Girl in the Cafe is possibly my favourite um, movie with him in. And not, not many people have seen it, I'm sure, because it was um, HBO. also written by Richard Curtis. Really? Yeah. Oh, Richard awesome. Curtis, excellent. Very, very excellent. Um, so, uh, Reese Darby, who you will know if you watch Flight of the Concords, um, <laughs> as their, what, what was he called? In the Flight manager. Yeah, the manager. manager. I forget his name. He's New Zealander. Martin? Or... Sorry, Monty, or... Something like that. Anyway, he plays the manager of the Flight of the Concords. (laughs) And he's cropped up in a few things. What else did we see him in? Was it, like, Ghost Town, or... The other one with Ricky Gervais? He was in... One of those. He was a banker, or something. Yeah. We've seen him a couple of times. (laughs) If you can't remember what, I guess it wasn't. But there again, um... What I said to you after the movie was... And he was in one of the extras saying something. I said... His accent. The invention of lying. The invention of lying. How um, Reese Darby just says stuff. Just normally, as a normal like guy. It's just funny. It's just funny. Well, that was, the inter- it's that funny. was Cockney, sorry. He's New that, Zealand, so he that sounds... That wasn't Cockney. <laughs> <laughs> Welsh, I think. Um, oh, I love Welsh. So he, he's just funny in general to me. Now, he's I, a bit I think of a clown. I, I think I've said it about him before, though. I find him hilarious in uh, Flight of the Concords. That... He's brilliant in that in that show, and he's also brilliant when I've seen him in roles in a movie. But I watched a stand-up um, of him, and didn't find it funny at all, because his stand-up is like really random. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like trying too hard. Yeah, and it's it's a bit too silly 
like he's doing silly things and throwing things in the air. Yeah, he seems he's... like a like a. So I, I didn't get him in stand up, but I like him on the. I think he's really good in like sitcoms or movies. Well, well I'm sure we'll see more of him. Um, who else we got? We got uh, Nick Frost as Doctor Dave, who you will all remember from Spaced and Shaun of the Dead. Um, you, you're not into him, you say? I'm not. I didn't. I, re- I, I knew I didn't really like him in Shaun of the Dead. I mean, he was alright. I mean, he played a bit of an asshole in this. Um, mm-hmm. He was the asshole kind of DJ. And I, for some oh, reason, I felt like I, could, like I think he would smell really <laughs> awful, and that he would be all sweaty all the time. Him, right? He's kind of yeah, but he's like the man who all these chicks want to do, and I think whatever. I mean, I, I find he's not. He's fine to look at. I find he's one of those people in the character. I don't know him as a person. His character in this one is like he's very funny. The kind of guy who gets though. like right up close to everybody, and I found him. I found even, him to be even really in the extras cr- where I think he's he was really cruel. Well, in the extras when he was, he said something that was really funny. And I was like, well, that's not him as the character. He was just saying something. So I'm assuming that's his mm. talent. He's he's funny. Uh, funny, yeah. <laughs> um, but you're not into him so much. No. But no, no. basis. I have no reason. You think he might smell. And this character, <laughs> not him. He's is similar to that other guy you don't like. Yeah. He's that other guy. There's a few. <laughs> <laughs> you just get an, you just get a non-like yeah. into them. This one, so it's an instinct. So Sid Talk's review of Nick Frost is she thinks he might smell. No, I think the character might. What about smell. him in Shaun of the Dead? Do you think he might smell in that? Yeah, because he's like a slovenly. <laughs> And okay. then he's fighting zombies. It's not like they stop to take a shower. So that whole um, movie. So yeah, I think they, he smells in each movie. I don't know him as a person. He probably smells fine. Here's a guy who probably doesn't smell. Maybe Ke- I've been around, Kenneth Branagh. Maybe has... I've been around too many of those dudes. And up close and personal, they're not pleasant. You mean obese, smelly people? No, the obese I don't mind. It's that forwardness, that sort of like in your face, like you do this. When they kind of stand next to you, I'm leaning as if he were standing next to me, and I'm leaning away just ever so slightly, like you want to give body language that says, go away from me because you smell like cigarettes and sweat. (laughs) Okay, now, Kenneth Branagh's next. He probably does, I imagine he might smell cigarettes, but not sweat. Not Um, sweat, he probably smells of expensive cologne. And rich mahogany. He doesn't do much for me either, to be honest. I think... If you've seen him in any of his serious acting roles... He's good. He's freaking good. I mean, he's... He's very actorly. Well, yeah, he's like a Shakespearean actor. Yeah. And he is good. I, I can't deny it. I've seen him in stuff that's blown me away. Now, in this movie, it's a, it's a parody of a character. He's based it on somebody, Ben, for, mm-hmm. a politician from back in the day. Um, kind of Hitler-ish, kind of... Severe. Very, very grey. There is a way very that people conservative. should be... And I will make it so. In fact, what totally sums up his character is the um, Jack Davenport character, twat. He turns to him and he's Captain wearing Jack, he's Captain. wearing a plain navy blue tie, and he turns to him and says, "I love the tie." Yeah, like <laughs> impresses him. It, it almost doesn't. You can't just, even you know, almost you can't tell it's see blue. It. It's, it's like, just a, yeah, you know, it's the most boring tie you've ever seen. So like this character, he wields has no that expression. power over people. Yeah. He'll tell a guy, "I don't like your hair," and then that affects them I like your tie and it makes you feel important yeah. um, he's very severe I liked him in this and I th- it's, it's a good but it is a very the movie's written in this black and white yeah this is the evil this is the good and everything's played up to that isn't it so and I think Kenneth Branagh pulled it off really well I was surprised you know when this guy appeared on the screen I was like holy crap it's Kenneth Branagh I didn't expect to see him see I said Kenneth and Aunt Emma in the same movie they're divorced now yeah, correct. married to each other. Emma Thompson. And talking of Jack da- Davenport, who plays Dominic Twat, 
With two T's. With two T's. Um, from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, also from Coupling, wasn't he, on the BBC? Yeah. The BBC Coupling. Um, I can Arguably. take him away. Take him away. Yeah. Let me say. I think I... I think, unfortunately, my brain keeps clicking back to the Commodore <laughs> from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And I like him in those. You know? I like him, fine. It's a very, but, you know, then again, this is a, a very generic character. He's trying to lick the ass of it this Brennock character to please him and to do what he wants to whatever. He does have a couple of fiery career. moments, though. A couple? On the boat. Uh, yeah, he fires I mean, oil. I think he's fine. I like the guy, but the character was a little bit... Well, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. He was sort of the the dog of the Brennan character. You find a way to bring them down, and we will bring them down. Uh-huh. Kind of thing. Yeah, in fact, Kenneth Brenner kind of dismissed himself from the task completely by hiring this guy and saying, here's a, here's a mission for you. Yeah. I want to look good for doing this. You do it. Like so, it's an interesting uh, relationship yeah, yeah. they've got, and then the also the woman, the secretary, Clit, Miss Clit, or whatever, <laughs> with two T's. Yeah, the sexual innuendo. Jokes. It's a little too. That was a little much for me. Yeah, that's very faulty towers slash mm. you know, Monty Python. So, um, Reese E fans, we'll call him as a uh, Gavin Canava, Canava, Canavar, Kavanaugh, Canavar, Kavanaugh. Um, he plays the flamboyant DJ. Um, who everybody loves. Mm. I really like him, actually. he gets up close to the microphone and says, are you doing something dirty right now? Do you remember that movie that he was in, uh, Enduring Love? Mm-hmm. Awesome movie. With the balloon. Really yeah, good movie. Very good. It's on Netflix Instant Watch, by the way. If, um, it's not in our recommendations, but if you want to see a good movie, Enduring Love, and a, uh, it's one of those movies that not many people saw. On yeah, it's really scene. good. It starts with a balloon. It does, and it's <laughs> quite... I'd like to see it again, actually. Yeah. It's quite good. Um... You know, he was also in Notting Hill. Never seen um, it. You need to see Notting Hill, because uh, <laughs> if you like Love Actually and this, you probably like Notting Hill, I'm, I'm imagining. It's very, very similar. It makes you feel a certain way, happy. Because hmm. this is a happy movie, isn't it? Yeah. If you come out of it... You all- do kind of get both sides. You understand both perspective, the one perspective on how this radio could be bad, and then you look at the characters who are on the boat doing it, and you think... There is a point in your life where you can't just... I mean, you can, but, you know, there's good and bad on both sides, I think. Uh, Emma Thompson as Charlotte, she plays a flying visit. It's not really a lot... I like Emma Thompson. Um, She totally gives you, though, the vibe that that woman 20 years ago was crazy wild, sexy chick. It is. You know what? It's pretty good the way she's written in there because... You're right. Like, we see her for literally three minutes of the movie. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Five at the most. And I feel like I know everything about her. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything. Like, the whole, like you say, the whole 20 years, exactly what she's about. You get what she was like when she was young, something happened as she's raising her son. And, and she how she is now. She more conservative, and yet there's a side to her that her, even her son doesn't know. She's, she's kind wild of and... Vicious, um... Very uncaring, like, of a son. I mean, I mean, it's... No, no, I disagree. I don't think she's uncaring at all. I think she's just free-spirited completely. It's kind of vicious, though, how, how she... A little bit. There's something that she does on there. I don't yeah. want to give that away. I know what you're saying. Um, it's not the kind Cold-hearted. of way you would want to yeah. break it. But, but there again. Glad we've dispensed with that chestnut, then. Um, <laughs> so Lula Riley as Marianne. Which one is... That's the girl that he falls in love with, he says. 
Yeah. Yeah, she's good. I yeah, like she her. is, yeah. Uh, and what have we seen her in? Don't, Don't know. know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just like Tallulah. I think that's Tom Sturridge as little Carl. Now, he's like the... It's kind of like how the from movie focuses around him, yeah. Like, almost famous is from that young guy's perspective, you know? Yeah, the movie focuses around this character, little Carl, but... He's 18 years old. But the movie shifts focus from him, like, mostly, most of the time. It's, it's kind of a broad thing, this, mm-hmm. and it does... He does steer the movie, like, steer the ship, so to speak. Um, He's the reason we can come to the ship. Yeah, the reason... He's a reason that someone else can come aboard the ship and watch what's going on. Whereas if you don't bring that character in, all you're doing then is just watching these DJs sort of wallow in their boat life. And with this new character, you've kind of... You've got something for all them to focus on and, you know. Yeah, and, you know, I liked him. Uh, he's yeah, not yeah. familiar to me at all yeah, either. Yeah, I, like I, don't, I don't know who he is and I thought he played it really well and there's some like quite I wanted more there's an emotional scene let me say um mm-hmm. with you know uh-huh. I wanted a bit more of that emotionalness I wanted a bit more of that relationship I'm not going to give it away yeah, yeah. I wanted more of that um because that but I think that's the idea yeah it was um and then last uh, Tom Brooker's Thick Kevin look how thick is spelt on there that's because that's how it was spelled on the door exactly um, <laughs> and he's like on their door of their cabins that has their names and has little Carl for the 18 year old guy and has thick Kevin and yeah, it's spelled T-H-I-K-C not thick as in fat like thick as in kind of slow a bit slow and it's there's pretty you know they use it to some funny yeah, situation yeah. and even he, he knows himself that he's <laughs> not the brightest uh, bulb like they're on the playing ship. Uh, it's not charades but it's you have to give a clue to who the person is on your piece of paper so the other person can guess it and his clue is he's a nice guy <laughs> yeah He's got uh, long hair. He's uh, everybody likes him. He's got shoes. He's got no shoes. No he doesn't shoes. No. And the guy goes, "He can't not... be Jesus." He's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Why don't you just say Son of God?" And he looks at him like, "Oh, is he?" <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so this is directed by Richard Curtis, who directed Love Actually, uh, The Girl in the Cafe. He wrote. He wrote. He also wrote Black Adder, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, Doctor. Girl in the Cafe is, you know, if you had a picture on Sesame Street, which of these things doesn't belong? Because it isn't flippant. It isn't... No, rompous. but it has a, It's very it se- It's feel, very gutsy. Yeah. It makes you... Yeah, it's, it's got a bit of... It's political, even. It's got political um, uh, resonance, and yet, also, there's a big question in that movie. Yeah, there is. That makes... It's a deep thing. And, um... For some reason, oh, now I'm thinking even of that though, scene when he says, "Was it? Was it here?" and she says, "Doesn't matter." And I'm like, "Oh yeah." Even though the girl in the cafe <laughs> is kind of a sullen, sad kind of deal, I felt good after it. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't tell you that's what he brings. Because like, somebody in that story writing. is trying to do something good in the world. So even more exciting than these movies, um, Richard Curtis, uh, Doctor Who, which is airing at the moment. We're on episode four at the moment. He is uh, directing and written episode five, which mm. is next week's. So, so we all lovey dovey, and <laughs> I, I imagine you'll feel good at the end of it. Um, so, DVD extras or Blu ray extras in this case. Now, this movie is two hours long, and it could be three hours long because there's an hour's worth of deleted scenes here. Um, Richard Curtis himself introduces the scenes. And also does say that there could be a completely different cut of this movie that perhaps might have made me some more money because <laughs> he did seem in your yeah. So he's like disgruntled that the movie was. I don't more think successful. this film was a 
uh, you know, in the, in the theatrical run, successful, and maybe it will be on home video. When did it come out? Uh, last year. It wasn't up against like Avatar, I think, was it? Because I mean, anything that was up against Avatar probably got its ass kicked, no matter what. No, it was. I think it was before that, but because people were going to see a small British film, I know even um, in Britain, it, I don't. I'm not saying Avatar's better. I'm just saying at the time, people were going to see Avatar multiple times, and if you've got your, I think it was before that, ten dollars to spend or ten pounds, are you going to go see that? Are you going to go see Avatar yeah. with your friends again? You know what I mean? But so. there again, it's also a small British comedy that wouldn't necessarily do huge business over here, right? I don't know why not. I mean, but... they just don't open on as many screens, do they, generally? They they get tucked in here mm-hmm. and there, and they oh, we're opening this one on 50 screens and all that kind of stuff. But in, in Britain, I'm assuming it wasn't... They probably marketed the hell out of it in Britain, saying from the director of Love Actually, which was a huge success. Mm. Um, but a lot of people hate Love Actually. Yeah, and a lot of people adore it. Also, it's 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 a divisive. It's in the middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those. Um, so I love it. Yeah, I do too. And you can pick it apart. You can say it's stupid, sappy, and but it, it, that's what he's good at. I'd you know say. who likes it? People who do know what it's like to be in love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So. And everybody else can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, this has like over an hour of deleted scenes introduced by Richard Coase. It gives you these stories in between. Mm-hmm. Um, some good deleted scenes, fully finished, so they really could have been in the movie. You could they could yeah, Just make another version. Just movie. make a whole three hour long yeah. version. I'd watch it. Do you know what I'm saying? That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, if you. And it says on the back here deleted scenes, including three that are only on the Blu ray. So if you get the DVD, you don't get all of those. And then there's also a featurette, which is featurettes which are like there's about six of them um and they're they're typical tv spots with a bit of behind the scenes stuff though we did get to see how the boat was uh, created and um i didn't feel i felt more informed about this movie with my 30 minutes on wikipedia than i did with any of the promotional bits it is more promotional um plus there's a feature commentary with richard curtis the producer hillary bevan jones and Nick Frost and Chris O'Dowd. So, you know, you can get some more insight with the commentary. But overall, there's not... Well, I'd say those deleted... If you're a fan of this movie, get getting to see an hour and... I think it's an hour and 12 yeah, minutes of deleted scenes. Which are actually funny. And there's one in particular that we watched with Reese E-Fans, which mm, yeah. opened up his character quite a but bit But it didn't more. fit. I do agree it didn't It fit. didn't. But because we have no other flashbacks. You have I no did other... like the scene, though. It's funny. Yeah, on its own, it's really good. In fact, it make is. an awesome music video. If I do yeah, and I also want to make note. Hey, hey, you, you get off of this my um, movie. As all, as all music. If you like the music, Stones, you'll like that extra. Well, this the music of this movie. You can't really go wrong. It picks from in, some purists on the when I was like, oh, I hate people picking everything apart, but they're all they're all like, Jimi Hendrix didn't write that song until 1968. Blah, blah, blah. You, you know, mean like, like how we picked up our Lord of the Rings last week? <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of music in this we movie. We hate those people. A lot of music in this movie. I don't think it matters when it was released. It's the vibe of the time. Yeah, but don't you think they should have researched that? I would they agree did, with that. They did. probably... Of course they researched it, but they probably said, well, we want Jimi Hendrix. In, uh, we want that song by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, but they had to know that this isn't right. Yeah, but... <laughs> most of the movie's not right. It's about a vibe. Right. An era... I don't think it matters. Then they shouldn't have given a year. That's that's. I, I agree with that point, actually. Yeah. So, it has awesome music. i got to say that. Sounds really good on blue... You know, those tunes are... 
sound better than you've ever heard them, probably. Um, and at the end, with the credits, you get loads of album covers, not just of that's 60s, an awesome, 70s, uh, all sequence. now. Now, 90s, now, yeah. I, I know it's the Smiths in there, I know it's the Oasis U2, in there. You there's like four. I know it's Madonna, U2. George Michael. Because they Taylor love pop Swift. and rock. I saw Taylor Swift. Pop and rock was, you know, all, I bet it's... Uh, people of the cast and crew, I bet. they're yeah. Because it's like old album covers. When I saw and... A Full of Hollow by the Smiths, I was like, somebody's got some good taste in there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, awesome. Like, all you, you realize, like, because it does say at the end of the movie on these, um, you know, it does like a subtitles mm. over, you know, some words over that says rock and roll's not had about 40 years, 40 years since. And his, one of Hoffman's speech is about, you know, no matter what you do or what you say, you people in charge. There will always be somebody somewhere with a feeling or a dream and they're going to put it in music and somebody else is going to listen to it and they're going to respond to it and there's nothing you can do about it. So um, I love that. I like this movie more and more now I think about it. It's one of those. <laughs> yes, it is. You'll watch it again. I, I could definitely you. return to this one. I'll come in one day and you'll have it popped in, watching yeah, I'm listening to that commentary possibly because uh, I would like to know. I like the know. soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, the soundtrack would actually be... Yeah, there's a lot of music in this movie because they play little snippets of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I bet it's like a triple album. Um, so, that's all the extras. So, it has BD Live and Pocket Blue, mm. which, which you know, Universal. Uh, I just want to mention, there's a new thing on Universal titles where it pauses for, like, two seconds and says, just pull in some information from the internet. And then it shows you, like, two or three trailers of movies that are in theatres, like, this week. Um, and it's seamless. There's no... Um, it doesn't pause. It doesn't say streaming. I think it's a good idea, because if you put this disc in in three months' time, you'll get relevant commercials, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't really want to see commercials, but I kind of like seeing trailers that sometimes, as long as they're not those crazy giveaway ones. Like they all are. Yeah, I, I well, seeing the trailer for Green Zone with, um, you know, Damon. Jason Bourne. Damon, <laughs> Matt Damon. It's by the by the it's by Jason Bourne, dude, and it's starring Jason Bourne, dude. It looks Jason Bourne with Moby. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> so let's say the new Jason. Let's Bond say it probably was a Bourne movie, and they're like, dude, people are yeah, getting tired of the Bourne thing. Not me, but I mean, some people. So if you like the Bourne movies, I'm imagining this. And you're going to claim now that that trailer doesn't give away the whole fucking movie. Because, of course, it shows you every highlighted moment. You just have to watch it to put the pieces together. I like the look of that movie as well. I do, too. Yeah. But I, I'm looking it's definitely to... a giveaway trailer. Yeah. So, yeah, this has this new feature where it pulls from their server and you watch them. And they look kind of pixelated a little bit, but they work fine. It's, Who cares? I think it's a really good idea, though, is what I'm saying. Because, it, you know, if this movie had a... It feeds us advertising live from the internet. That's just, fantastic. What I find about it, how, why it's good, is how it works so flawlessly. Like, it doesn't... Like, like one minute into the trailer, it doesn't say buffering. And like YouTube videos do sometimes. It just works. It, there's no interaction from you. There's how about no way. they just don't put them on there at all? That well, would work perfectly. It's not going to happen. Unless, Some people do. Unless you're next week's movie. Um, <laughs> Which is? Avatar. Right, and he. Re- if you're James Cameron and you make a, a, a gazillion, gazillion dollars, <laughs> then you don't need commercials. So, um, DVD extras. Conclusion on this movie, like I just said, I really like it. Um, if you want to feel good, and it, you know, it's also British, 
which um, I'm kind of, I have a, you know, yes. I'm British. <laughs> I have a, and I like things that are British, but I like the, uh, I don't mind the American, uh, as you all portray them, always being sort of like loud crass, mouth, a little, bit crass. a little crass, a little loud, a little fat, uh, a little obnoxious, because you know, we are. <laughs> so um, I, I actually really enjoyed it. Didn't know what to expect. Does I it make just, you feel like <clears throat> I want to like be myself and rub it in somebody's face who doesn't want me to be myself? Because that's the way it makes me feel. Yeah, I know, but also uplifted. It's Makes just you want to call our little stupid governor, who's very got to stick up his ass. He's so conservative. It's an uplifting. And tell him I don't follow the dress code, Mister Governor. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> and he would say, "If I had. <laughs> yeah, who is this? <laughs> what department do you work for? I so, don't. Uh, huh. So uh, yeah, I highly recommend uh, Pirate Radio, or you know, if you're looking for it on the shelves in England. And it's a good to this, time. It's a good time. If you're listening to this podcast in England and you're not going to find Pirate Radio on the shelves, The Boat That Rocked. Um, this is it's from Universal. It's on Blu-ray and DVD. And uh, thanks to them for sending it along for review. Next week's review will be the small independent movie Avatar, <laughs> like I just mentioned earlier. Um, I, sh- I hear it was made on a shoestring budget. <laughs> <laughs> you've been saving that up, haven't you? Until, you've been saving that up until the time when we were going to do Avatar. And uh, I, hear it th- I hear it uses computer technology. Oh, those old computers. So yeah, we'll be, looking at, we'll be looking at Avatar if you've... Uh... Do I have to watch it with you? I've seen it twice already. Yes, we absolutely have to see Avatar again on, in Blu-ray. You've seen it again. I've seen it twice. I went paid twice to see that movie. Well, this will be number three, and you've never seen it in 2D. True. Um, I don't think the 2D is going to make any difference to me. What I've heard is the 2D version, the colours are a lot better. I found the colour to be brilliant. It's supposed to be better. Who who are these people saying it was dark? It was brilliant. Not dark. You haven't seen the 2D version. No, true. Um, But I had no qualms with the 3D. I mean, it was bright. Maybe my theatre, being the shitty theatre that it is, showed it. Oh, well, I went with to some bad. Yeah, and it was bright yeah. and it was super colorful. Maybe our bad projectors just worked right. Apparently, it's even better. In, but um, I'd be, it'd be interesting because I've seen it in 3D on the cinema. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I, I just liked it anyway. Yeah, I liked it. But um, yeah, Avatar will be next week's review on Blu ray. Uh, and it, that's just like a bare bones. On Blu ray. <laughs> they're blue. Of course. That, that, that has been mentioned. They're not BLU, but they're BLUE. Uh, so movie rec- recommendations for this week. Oh, also you can uh, enter our contest on ascully.com. A-S-C-U-L-L-Y. Uh, go to it there and win some DVDs. Um, movie recommendations. Mine is um, 24-Hour Party People, which is... I was thinking of some music kind of... Uh, it's another one I really like, Sid and Nancy, but mm. um, if you've never seen that, have you seen I don't it? think I have. Um, but 24-Hour Party People is about factory records. I think I mentioned it before. Manchester, the, the Happy Mondays came from there. Um, New Order came from there. Joy Division came from there. It's the story of factory records, but mainly the story of Tony Wilson, who has died now. Yeah. Um, but he was very influential in Manchester, where I come from, his music scene. Um, and it's played by Steve Coogan really well. Uh, it's a really good movie. It makes you want to see it again, doesn't it? It does. Um, my, <laughs> my second is my favourite rock and roll movie uh, of all time. And that's uh, Oliver Stone's The Doors, Val Kilmer. Best performance Val Kilmer's ever done, in my opinion. Um, 
you would I've seen you know I've, at the time when that movie came out I watched a lot of documentaries of The Doors real documentaries of The Doors not Bal Kilmer he nailed it to a T like everything it's one of those didn't you say that you hadn't heard of The Doors hardly until you watched that and then you loved them exactly I um, went to see The Doors because I was big anything Oliver Stone did I was following Oliver Stone stuff went to see The Doors I knew I knew I'd heard break on through yeah, of course. and stuff but you can't be it made me go and buy the albums. I went and bought the albums. Pretty, you know, it made me. Oh and that we were born in the late sixties. Oh my god! Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, mine are Twenty Four Hour Party People and The Doors. Two very different music films. Sid and Nancy would be my third one if I had to have one. Um, There's also a bit of the irreverence in each of those. There is a kicking against the machine of what's, totally. You know, because the-, the Doors. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he kicked against it, and yet he reaped the rewards greatly, other than dying a young death. But, I mean, that was some doing. But 24-Hour Priority People fighting against the sort of the closed-up music things, even then, in the 90s. Or, yeah, 80s and 90s, right? Trying to kick against that. And then Sid and Nancy, same thing. Punk trying to, I mean, somebody created it, and yet... The idea is, like, rock everything, shake everything up. We should mention what we're mentioning, Sid and Nancy. Malcolm McLaren, who was the creator of the Sex Pistols, also died a couple of weeks ago. It was like a week ago, wasn't it? Two weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Which was really You're bringing me down, man. Tony Tony Wilson. (laughs) Let me cheer everybody up with my recommendations. Uh, One is, the first one is American Graffiti. Because I wanted to think of movies that when you're watching it, in this movie somebody says... This is the greatest time of our life. It's going to be the best time of our life. And what a shitty thing that is to know when you have a lot of life left to live. That this is it. And I think American Graffiti, when you're watching it, and, you know, Spielberg, right? Uh, Not Spielberg. Uh, George Lucas. George Lucas has a very romantic idea about everything. You know, he was raised in the 40s and 50s, and then taking that that vibe of, well, this has got rebellion and kids... You know, doing you know the racing and the, you know the rock and roll kind of creeping up, and I sort of thought that encapsulates that. You watch that movie and you feel like that moment in time will never come back again. There was something innocent and yet dangerous about it, and that movie makes me think that. And you want to know what happens to those people because they're they're young. What's in graffiti? You know, American Graffiti, the follow up movie. Up, that's a downer because there's a lot of Vietnam and stuff in what it. What was that movie? American Graffiti 2, I think. Is that what it was called, too? I think so. I think so. But, I mean, that's... But the first one, to me, kind of gives you that vibe of... This is a highlight of a time in our country and a time in their lives. What happens now? Everybody does the conformity thing. Everyone goes off to college and gets a job and whatnot, you know. Um, But the movie, I think, is really awesome. It's almost independent-ish, because he didn't have a lot of movie. Yeah, it's pretty low budget. And the other one is kind of a downer I must say but it's Dead Poet Society because it's the same idea that here's some schoolboys in a very conservative place but of course they have their little rebellion things they do they go in their little cave and they smoke and do whatever but here comes a teacher that says you know this is like the best you're young and look at the world and don't don't follow like the path the father makes you follow and like life is and then another one where this could be the best time of their lives I guess you could say something about porkies but we're not gonna <laughs> not quite as highbrow though yeah. this is the highlight of your life it's all downhill from here yeah. but so Dead Poets Society and American Graffiti 
Alright, so games and A-Scully stuff for this week. I finished Splinter Cell Conviction, and I mentioned it all last week. And I also played co-op with uh, my nephew. And after playing the co-op through and the single player, I've come to the conclusion Splinter Cell needs to go back to its roots. Splinter Cell is dead to me. (laughs) If if the next one's like that one, the co-op is slightly better than the single-player story because it does involve some of Splinter Cell's original mechanics, but still not enough. So, no, I am... It's a big... For me, it was a big flop. Um, This week's games that are coming out is, like... It's a huge deal, actually. I'm going to get my arcade stick out of my cupboard because it's... I have a... Is that a threat? Or is that a come on? It's a... uh, (laughs) I promise. <laughs> so I'm going to get my arcade stick out of uh, my cupboard, going to use it for a while, but Street Fighter 4 was the last time I used it. Well, this week, uh, Super Street Fighter 4 hits the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Um, it's basically a, like a... What would you call it? Like an update to Street Fighter 4 with 20 new characters, I believe. Um, uh-huh. So it has a bigger roster and it has new stages, but, you know, it's the reason Can to get Can you explain the, to the people what a gaming stick is? Uh, I have an arcade stick in my cupboard. It's like a... Uh, it's like the console part of like an arcade size of cabinet. Console. When you go into the arcade and the cabinet was there and the the, the buttons and the stick... It's on the, the best th- way to play fighting games. Yeah, it's actual... Um, it's like you went to an arcade box your laptop. and plucked it off. Yeah. And you set it on your desk and play. Yeah. Because um, arcade stick could be like... <laughs> like a and stick. It, <laughs> you know, if you, if you like to play fighting games... Um, I can tell you the joy pad that you use with the Xbox 360 or the PS3, it's not the way to play them. It, you can't... It doesn't compare. No, it really then doesn't. Then again. Then again. Unless you always did. If you were never in arcades, like you were when you were a kid, and the arcade button doesn't do any... It doesn't bring you... Like you, you touch it, you get in front of you, and it takes you back to those... I instantly can do the moves. Exactly. Now someone who's only been raised with the controller in their hand may not be the same. No, it's really fun to have an arcade stick though and play a game with it. I have to say, it does feel like you're playing an arcade game from back in the day. It'd be Except excellent. you're sitting in a chair in front of a computer, oh, <laughs> and you're yeah. and you're forty years old. So yeah, Super and you Street... don't have a pile of quarters sitting on your desk. So Super Street Fighter Four is like you know the next Street Fighter, and uh, Street Fighter is just awesome, and I'm looking forward to playing it this week. There's also a new game out this week called Dead to Rights Three. Which is a Namco long-running series, but this is the third. It's like a man and his dog. Have you ever seen this game? It's kind of like a Gears of War shooter kind of game, but you're a cop, like a third-person shooter. And you have a guard dog. It's an interesting game. It's quite, it's quite fun, actually. It was the last one. The second installment was actually a lot of fun. I don't know what this third one's like. I've not seen any coverage of it. That worries me a little bit. I've not seen any reviews yet, but I will be playing it this week. We'll see what it's like. Uh, I've also been playing a couple of Wii games this week. Um, one is a WiiWare title that you can buy for 800 Wii points on the Wii Store, and it's called Me, You, and the Cubes. This is a really interesting puzzle game where, get this, there's a cube on the screen, like a big cube. and I your, get it. I get it. Your task is to place children on the cube. Okay, so... You can place two children at once. Like, you can't place one. You have to place one and then another, and that's your turn done. Um, so, you place... The the whole game is about balancing this cube. So, it will say to you, this is level one. I need two children on the cube. 
So that's very simple. The cube's there. You place one. Put you place one dot with the Wiimote. You place another dot with the Wiimote. Then you throw your Wiimote forwards, and the two children land on the cube. Now the cube's completely physics based, so the weight of the children apply. If you put one child too near the edge, they can fall off. Or make Are the there cube. Fat children and thin children. No, they're all the same. It's okay. a girl and a boy. You place a girl <laughs> and a boy. They actually weigh the same, but um, you know. If you place one too far to this side, the cube will tip and they'll both fall off. So the idea is keeping it balanced. Now so it's, putting children in peril. Sounds now, awesome. it's really fun, right? And it's Jap- it's Japanese game, but it, it that sounds easy. But then the next level, the cube will... The cube kind of... It shifts after you've had a move. It kind of tips sideways. And another cube grows out of it. And the next thing will be like, okay, now there's two cubes. You have to place four children... And two have to be on each cube. So that's simple enough. And then the cube expands. Yeah. And, then it, and then eventually it's got like 20 sides. And it's like, okay, this, this level you have to place 100 children. And three have to be on each cube. You know, so it's... And it's, a, it's an absolute balancing act. If you like one fraction of an inch off, all the children start falling. And they scream when they fall. And it's really... <laughs> You feel really bad that these children. <laughs> so it's um it's just a downloadable title, but I found it was really fun. I ended up playing it for like two three hours the other day. So it's like how many children did you kill? A lot of children died in the uh, making of that. Uh, Do you see them fall to the ground, or are they just falling into outer space? It's, or what? it's like yeah, it's like you know the movie Cube. It's yeah. almost like that. Like it's a cube in the middle of, you know, and they go ah. And they fall and then disappear. They, yeah, disappear. So they don't really die. There's a big no, pillow it, down there or something. Now, if you put two children really close to each other, they can kind of help each other. So, say the cube does tip, but there's a boy and a girl near each other, and one of them's like hanging off the edge because they hang for a little while. The other one may help them up, and then later on, as they introduce different mechanics, there are children that are trouble causers that uh. randomly come up that will try and knock people off. <laughs> So you have to be careful where you put those because you can't put them near anybody else. So an interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, not a very expensive game. It's like $5. And there's a lot of levels. I only played two. And there's like a big grid showing you all the levels at the beginning. And I'd literally filled like 1% of the grid up. So I think it's really worth the money. And some of these WiiWare games, I think people don't notice. Like everybody is about the 360 and the PS3 games. But on the Wii, they release games on that store every week. I just feel that it gets underlooked a little bit. And just game snubs. Well, there's some treasures in there, and that is one of them. You know, so you have to accept your race of people, you gamer people have a, a you have amongst you a very rigid group. The yeah, as you like to call them, the hardcore gamers, which is just so. Well, the game is called. Snotty. Me, you, and the cubes. And they diss the Wii continuously. And if they probably never even play it. so They do. And uh, my second game, what I'm going to talk about here, is uh, another Wii game that um, I... We played, me and you actually, played the original um, Steven Spielberg's mm-hmm. Boom Blocks. Now, there's a sequel now. Steven Spielberg's Boom Blocks Bash Party. Now, it basically expands on the idea of Boom Blocks. And it, there, it, there's an actual co-op section where you play the single player game with a buddy you take turns will you be my buddy and then there's they've added achievements into the game kind of like the 360 there's like the first Wii game that I've seen with achievements in there they've added 
a create mode where you can create levels, up, upload them to EA servers, and then people can play your level and rate it like a YouTube eater, a little big planet type of deal. Yeah, I went on there and downloaded a load of people's levels and played them. It works flawlessly. Uh, that's another problem people have with the Wii. They always say, oh, the online isn't so good, but this one, made by EA, the online works fine. You know, you play those levels. Um, so if you liked Boombox, which I think is an excellent game, it's like... We played it a lot. Yeah, it's like um, it's like a real simple idea. Completely addictive. You throw a ball, you knock things over. And you can't stop. Exciting. I mean, just knocking things over is fun. I mean, I, I imagine when I was playing it, I was thinking, kids would love this game because you, you're basically destroying stuff, aren't you? I'm throwing a ball at a real... Like, a ca- there's a castle on one level that's very precarious and you can throw a ball at one area and knock the entire castle down. I mean, that's just totally fun. There's levels that are like dominoes as well where... Uh-huh. You, it causes a chain reaction and they end up, you know. So that's Steven Spielberg's Boombox. Now, Steven Spielberg didn't make it. It was his idea. But um, it's interesting to see Steven Spielberg making a game. Or two games. Um, and then finally... I don't, I don't find that interesting. I do. Because, um, you know... Because it merges your two worlds of movies. Yeah, you know, games. like Ebert <laughs> won't get involved in, it, in anything but his own world. Well, creativity can go, you know... Yeah, I just don't find that interesting. Steven Spielberg said he had the idea... He was playing another Wii game with his grandchildren. And that idea just came to him. And he had to go and set up his own studio. Tell somebody who knows how to make games what he's thinking. Yeah, (laughs) like, I don't understand shit about games. But what about this? Throwing balls at things and knocking them over for points... I mean, it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. It's like the old coconut shy when you're at the uh, fair. You just throw and knock things down. It's fun. Uh, another thing, uh, I won a contest this week, like a new egg slash Nintendo contest. And it was literally six months ago I entered it. It's like one of them daily things where you just fill in your email. I happened to win, and I won a Wii Fit. Very nice. Which is like a $100 um, Wii Fit. It cost $100. I was, I was like, whoa. Which is crazy. So... We'll mess around with Wii Fit this week and tell and see. You might like it. Why do you say that? Well, you know when you're talking about stretching exercises. I could be semi-offended. <laughs> when you were saying it, like you wanted to do stretching things and mm-hmm. stuff, this has a lot of that built in apparently. Like, um, and you know, if people don't know by now, it comes with like a scale. Well, it's not a scale; it's the balance board. It's called, but it actually will weigh you. And you can play it daily, and you can with this new Wii Fit Wii Fit Plus, which is what it's called. You can make your own, like, I only want to focus on stretching or I only want to focus on... Mm. And plus there's fun games in there, like Mario games and stuff, which involve balancing on the board. So we'll see this week what it's like. Um, And you can do it every day and you can it marks your progress and weighs you every day. And apparently most people get on it and it tells them they're obese to start with because it uses that BMI deal. Um, But I don't need Nintendo to tell me (laughs) whether I'm obese or not. So, um, yeah, I've won a Wii Fit. We'll talk about Wii Fit next week. And finally, for eight games and A-Schooly stuff, after 12 years, I've got rid of Microsoft Outlook this week. Now, I've used Outlook uh, kind of like a habit because it has my calendar and my email. And so I've, I've started a new habit. Yeah, and, like, the new Outlook came out, Outlook 2010, which I've been using the beta of, and it is a big improvement over Outlook 2007, I have to say. But... Every time I'm using my computer, I feel there must be a more, a different, I've used Outlook forever. Is there a better way? I looked into 
Firefox make an email client called Thunderbird. I didn't like it. It just felt like Outlook. So then I spurned you on because I'm the one who said, I want to set up my Gmail. I've always had Gmail. Right, I I have Gmail. And I started, I said, I want to make it so I can get my mail through my Gmail. Is there a way? And you were helping me figure it out and set it up. And that then inspired you to. Yeah, and then one day I sat and I got my Outlook and I got all my contacts and I put them all into Gmail. And then I imported all my mail and accounts into Gmail and then I thought, I'll give it a couple of days, and if if it doesn't have everything I need, then I'll just switch back to Outlook. Well, like a day later, I uninstalled Outlook, because it was perfectly fine, and now I don't have to have two programs open. Why do you have to uninstall it? Because I just wanted to be free of it, like it's gone. Oh, goodness. I can't just open it, like, when I want to. So, I've uninstalled Outlook, now I only have, like, Word and Excel installed, because that's all I use. And um, I'm using Gmail... I'm collecting all my mail, like all three mail accounts into Gmail. It works just fine. There's yeah. a place to keep my contacts. Uh, the Google Calendar I'm using for my calendar, which syncs with the email perfectly. That was one of the things I was worried about because I use Outlook's calendar all the time. Like I put all kinds of things to remind me. And I was thinking, well, Gmail, it probably doesn't have a calendar, but it does. And it'll email you when you need to do something. So that's perfect. Um, and I'm also using Google Reader to read um i used to use outlook's rss feature to find Mm. rss news well that's google reader so i'm just basically using google for the whole thing i found it to be you've been sucked into the light that is google yeah and what's awesome about it is i can open my netbook Mm -hmm. anywhere in the house that's why i originally said i want to be able to get my mail everywhere because i had gmail and sid talk um and my one-in-one which is the web provider i use for my website it's really slow and really chunky and whatever that old email they use. And I was like, ah, I want to be able to read my mail anywhere. I can't put out, I don't want to put Outlook everywhere. Can't, obviously. Yeah, and the problem with um, Outlook putting it everywhere is like when one's open and the yeah. other one's, then you, you've got you some mail. You can tell it to leave it over there, but then you've got yeah, duplicates. And, yeah, yeah. With, with Gmail, I, if I've got it open on my netbook and open on my computer, well, I see the same mail yeah, at both And whatever places. you do here, the result shows up Yeah, exactly, you which is perfect. That's, that's what I wanted. Now... And let's be honest, we played with the themes. They got little themes. Yeah, some people could say, like, well, what what do you do when your internet's down? But even when the internet was down and I had Outlook, I couldn't do anything. Yeah, of course not. I could look at the calendar. <laughs> but I couldn't True. get any mail. So, no, it's you need the internet to have your email anyway. Correct. So, and you can read the other email offline. There's an offline button at the top. Uh, you can click it, and it will download all the email for you. Mm. I've not used that feature because we're online anyway most of the time. I mean, it's very rare that we're not online. So, uh, yeah, I got rid of Outlook. I'm using all of Google's products, basically. Even Google's documents I tried a little bit. Works fine. I guess offline would be good. You say it to keep downloading my email. So my, if my internet does go down and I just want to look up something that yeah, I've got in a, my email, it's there. No, nah, and you can do that. And that's very easy to do. You just download a little plug-in and it I works. mean, Outlook had the same thing, but... yeah. But Outlook was physically always on your computer, so... But yeah, um, you know, I have nothing against Outlook, and I do like Microsoft's Office, but... You feel free. Just different, like, it's... Yeah, yeah. And I feel that the internet, it's just, you know, now I use two computers a lot, because I do. I you do. That's flip, why I started using the online mail. I flip from a netbook to my desktop a lot, like, I might just... And it's always... And you rely on your email a lot. My email's my primary thing that I look at, really, I mean... You know, dealing with the website, 
everything. So yeah, that's uh, switched to Gmail, and it works just fine. Very nice. So what have you got this week? I've got what's for dinner. We're gonna have balls and bow ties and sauce. Balls, balls, like and human bow ties. balls. Uh, no, they are animal free. They are corn balls. They're called fake, you know. I didn't know corn balls. <laughs> corn balls and bow ties, which I thought sounded a little bit like you know Cincinnati bow tie kind of thing, but balls. This sounds disgusting, isn't it? I'm gonna <laughs> have some balls and bow ties in some kind of sauce, and we have sprouts and some coleslaw and uh, some squash puree mixed in there somewhere. And then uh, I wanted to talk about my bucket garden update. I planted tomatoes and herbs in some buckets recently. You can see the pictures on my website, SidDuck.com, if you're interested in that kind of thing. I thought they were going to die yesterday. I know. It rained and blew so hard that I don't know. It's been cold as well, so if they don't... It's if pretty the sun rough doesn't come night. out. One of them had fallen all the way over, and I had to pick it up and tie it to its little trellis and everything. So just to keep you updated, we have no tomatoes yet, and they might all die. But we'll see. You know those tomatoes that you kept saying to me this week, eat one of those tomatoes, eat one of those tomatoes. Where were those from? Because those were amazing. They are from the small um, bulk place where I bought my plants. They have their own greenhouse Did and farm. Did you taste any of it? I did not. I they're, love they're them. They are fantastic. They are. Like, I mean, they're like the tastiest tomatoes. They're like grown on a local farm. Yeah, you've got to try it. There's one in the fridge. Uh, we'll probably have it tonight. With That's what we're hoping that our tomatoes will taste like. Yeah, they're amazing. Awesome. I had one with uh, some of that leaf Tastes lettuce. Tastes really tomato Romaine lettuce. When you get, like, and the guy who runs this place totally cares. I mean, he will tell you every detail of how he does it, how he plants it, what he puts on it, what he doesn't put on it, um, how long between waterings. He'll tell you everything, and he's really excited about it all. And, like, this is this this variety does this, and that variety does that. And if you plant the mint over here, and you do, he knows it all about what he does. And I feel like that makes a difference. He cares that when you go to buy one of these tomatoes, he'll say, oh, oh, I hope you really enjoy it. You let me know what those are like, because, you know, we we eat them all the time, you know. So, I feel like that They're good. reeks of quality. When you go to the store and you pick up a tomato and they don't smell like anything. They don't taste like anything. No. Water. So, that's good to know. Um, coffee in bags. Lately, I've wanted a cup of coffee now and then, but I don't want to buy a coffee maker. So, I went the modern route i bought the single serving coffee in a bag it's not instant coffee it's literally a tea bag with coffee in it yeah it's like a tea bag with coffee grounds i suppose they've done something weird to them so that you put it in boiling water for one minute it's like crushed up yeah then you have your strong sturdy cup of coffee and it just hits the spot when i don't want to pay for a coffee maker and i was thinking one day i want to buy a cup of coffee at the starbucks at the store and then i'm like well that's three dollars and 79 cents for a small and I bought this box of 20, which probably still is expensive to people who buy coffee, coffee, but for three bucks. So I don't know. It's like super, like me, literally, like I can take a leaf coffee. I used to drink coffee all yeah. the time. But now I drink tea a lot. But occasionally a cup of coffee is fine. Yeah. But for me, it's like literally once every month. Like I don't, I don't it crave it. It kind of hits the spot though. There's just sometimes. So that's another thing. If you've been leery of trying it, I say go for it. Um, oh yeah, that's by Maxwell House, I believe. The one I bought, yeah. There were yeah. different. There was folders and that. And there wasn't really any reason I picked Maxwell House. I just was like, Ugh, it doesn't matter. They're both three dollars. Right. Just pick one and try it. Um, then we have sun chips, which you have tried. We've eaten more of them lately. The sun chips in the bag that says it's compostable. I think I tweeted this week about the sun chip bag. How loud it is. And it's like a really crinkly kind of. Almost, it feels like like a. Because they say pile, if you not. put it in your compost pile. 
in hot compost pile, I guess there are different kinds, it will degrade just like a vegetable. So or it makes it really noisy, the bag. And I was, it was like two o'clock in the morning or something. I don't know. It, no, it wasn't two o'clock. It was, uh, Austin was here and he'd gone to bed mm. and I was getting a snack and I was like, I was There's trying no to way. be really quiet with the bag and I was literally like opening it like a millimeter at a time and it was like, <laughs> sorry. The salsa flavor sun chip. Yeah, they taste like tomato ketchup crisps. And they're awesome. We, yeah, they're really, they're really yeah. awesome. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, so, a garden salsa it's called, the flavor. Sun right. chips, garden salsa. And then the last thing is I've been watching Bewitched because I'm getting them all on Netflix. And I'm telling you now, Elizabeth Montgomery is so underrated. She's absolutely fantastic. She's the Bondi who pays the witch. Yes. Would you even ask me that? I yes, of course she is. And she's awesome. Now, I feel like they packaged her up. And it was sort of one of those things where that show became such a phenomenon that then they just stuck with it. And some of the episodes, they're a bit of a stretch. Sometimes they even redo an episode from earlier, and they don't acknowledge that it's a redo of the same story. But because it's in color, and they're older, and they've got a kid, then they add the kid in there. But it's really good. It's hokey, and it's but it has a hidden message now and then. It's got, But it's really good. It's quality. And if you don't think so, I don't care. Because... She's really good. And I just wish there was more of her. More movies, more shows, more something. But sadly, she died a few years ago. She wasn't very old. She had cancer. And, um, was she not in movies? Just TV? She was in, like, uh, Lizzie Borden. She played Lizzie Borden, who killed her mother and stepfather. Or father and stepmother, can't remember. A couple of others, but not much. It bewitched was, you know, maybe sadly, the peak of her. Of what everyone would know her from. But she, she's really awesome. I think that... She's real. Fun. She's real comedic, and she can be really serious. Like when she's trying to make—I don't know. I what just, year is Bewitched? And I was totally in love. The sixties, uh, late sixties, and then through the seventies, right. early seventies. I remember that show was one of them that molded in my mind how I wanted my life to be, minus the witchcraft. If I could have admit witchcraft, I would have added that. But the house. I'm going to make that house in The Sims. I just thought of that before I went to sleep last night. I've got to build that house in The Sims. And you could so have I a witch like, in The Sims. Exactly. So I can, well, kind of. But um, the house, it's like, I can't even describe. That was my vision of what my life would be someday. I even think that him being in advertising influenced me to like to draw ads and stuff when I was a kid. I don't know. It's weird to think about it now, but when I watch it, I re- rekindle all that. And I just think... Uh, and she has a painting on the wall that's very similar, and I swear it's the same artist as the painting I have in the bathroom. The girl with the long face. I need to take a screenshot I was going to say, you need a screenshot and a picture. Yeah, I do. So we can see. It's not the same painting, but it's totally the same style. But right. um, it's cheeky and a little bit, you know, sometimes I even feel like fast-forwarding through certain scenes. I know that sounds really bad when I'm praising it so highly, but I really liked her. I wish there was more stuff I could see at first, but... Well, you've Sadly, got a lot of Bewitched. Got a lot more Bewitched. I'm only on season three. Three, and there's eight. Right. So I um, fear that the quality will go down. You know, as it'll change, in. won't it? Because because yeah. of the times as well, it might get better. You never know. Yeah. I mean, it'll lose that like innocence left over from the fifties yep. kind of. Oh, 60s totally. Too. She's already. Lo- yeah. I mean, she changed the first year. She's sort of like. Um, you would people would say she was just coming out of her teens. I imagine she still had a bit of her quote unquote baby fat. Like she wasn't like a thin. I mean, she was thin, but she wasn't like skinny. Do you know what I'm saying? She was well. I right. don't know. You have to see it to know what I mean. Now she's very thin, 
And I don't know if that was a product of the show. This is what we need to do. We need to make you more glamorous. We need to do whatever it is. But she does change physically. And Darren, of course, I think I'm about to get to the new Darren. You know, because they change Darren's without mentioning why. Um, it just becomes a different actor because... Just once, though, a few times. And once. Um, and sadly, Gladys Kravitz from the first season, two seasons, um, that woman died of cervical cancer in that time frame. Like, right after the second season. So they replaced her without mentioning why it's a different actress. There's going to be a new um, Dick uh, coming up. Dick York and Dick, whatever his new name is. But they both play Darren with no explanation. And one of the extras on one of the discs, because some of them have extras, they said, we tried to debate, um, would the new Darren be uh, different because the mother-in-law has cast a spell on him and now he's different? Do we explain it? And we we just decided, no, because the first Dick York guy had injured his back so badly in a movie that he couldn't continue with the, the schedule of making right. a TV show. Stuff like that. Um, there's one other character that they replaced. And there's characters that I don't even, never realized when I was a kid. In the early episodes, in the early years, uh, this one dude comes on, he's like a conserv, like a, um, he pro- proclaims to be a witch hunter, but it's just a scam, and he just likes to give speeches about it and whatnot, and later, he's Dr. Bombay. You know, Dr. Bombay, Dr. Bombay, calling me you don't know? He's shrugging your shoulders like, oh, you see, you don't know, because you don't watch it, but, and there's about seven people so far who have played multiple different kinds of characters. So I find that really fascinating, too. Like, didn't people notice? I, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, but... In fact... Oh, I have to remember who he is, and I'll tell you next time. I think it's a guy who's on your show with Larry David. Is in it. One episode. I can't remember his name. You mean his friend? No. A friend. But... I'll think of it. No, Richard Lewis. No, not Richard Lewis. All right. So, uh... Oh, off topic... In uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, talking of people who are going to be switched, what happened to Orlando Bloom in Pirates of the Caribbean? Sorry, it might be a spoiler here. What do you mean? What? Where did his? What, what happened to him? Like his character in the third one? Where'd they go off? I don't remember. He didn't die or anything. Then. I don't remember. Well, anyway, they. What you're telling me something I don't want to know. You've seen Pirates of the Caribbean three, right? I've seen three, yeah, but I haven't seen any future movies that might be different. I don't want to know. Well, just that he's not coming back for it. But I was thinking, I thought, when I read the news, oh, Orlando Bloom's not coming back for the next Paris of the Caribbean, I thought to myself, I swear he died in the third one, so how would he come back anyway? No, he didn't die. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I thought he was the one who died. But no. No? Not no. Jack Davenport didn't die, did he either? No. Nobody died. It was Car- Paris of the Caribbean. Yeah, and he, they're replacing him with somebody... See, what from what I could tell... So you are telling me something I don't want to know. No, from what I could tell, they're replacing him with another actor. And I was thinking when you were talking about replacing the guy in Bewitched, that always sucks if it's supposed to be the same guy. So, and Orlando Bloom, you know, you kind of got used to him over three movies, right? Mm. But I don't know the full thing, I just know that he won't be in it. So there we go. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Um... I want to remind you about the websites, aschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. I think you need to scroll down. RSS and Zoom. Yep. Uh, you can... <laughs> that's all it's on the next oh, page. Oh, it used to be longer than that, I swear. No. You've that's cut... it. I didn't cut anything off. That's it. All right, so you can uh, also s- subscribe see, to... The... There's stuff there. Yep. You can subscribe to the podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, or go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, listen to the podcast on the page, or subscribe through any RSS catcher, podcatcher, RSS reader. 
Even Google Reader will do the job if you need to use Google products. Like or me. I Google. You can also listen through. You can uh, e- email feedback to me at com. You don't email Sid Talk under any circumstances because she will turn you, you into a You can now because I can get it at any time. But I'm and and shove it in the spam folder. <laughs> um, so I just want to say uh, stay classy. Um, Pirates. <laughs> just stay classy. Oh, nice. And I'm going to say think for yourself. Because if you don't think for yourself in your life, you may not even realize that someone else is doing it for you. They're telling you what kind of music to listen to, what kind of clothes to wear, what kind of people to marry, what kind of fucking things you're supposed to do with your whole life. And if you don't decide for yourself, minus any any desire you might have to hurt somebody, don't do that. But if you don't think for yourself, they will do it for you. And then your life will be nothing. And don't forget to tune in next week for our uh, review of the independent movie, Mm -hmm. Avatar. (laughs) 